In honor of my 37th, our 37th wedding anniversary, I'm just going to share a word with you about marriage. And the title, the title of my message is found in a passage of scripture in Galatians. Galatians chapter 6 will find the title of my message. And it says in verse 1, Brethren, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, considering yourself. Title of my message tonight is Considering Yourself. Be afraid. <clears throat> Lest you also be tempted. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks himself to be something when he's nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one examine his own work, and then he will have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another. For each one shall bear his own load. For each, for each one shall bear his own load. That's all I was going to read. Each one shall bear his own load. So, two things I want you to see in this, and you'll see it in a few other scriptures that we look at tonight. Considering yourself and examine your own work. Um, as it was said, Becky and I have been married for 37 years. We dated for two years previous. And in our in our marriage and our walk with God, um, there were things that she knew about life, and she came from one world and one direction, and there are things that I knew about life, and I came from a totally different direction, from a totally different background, and from lifestyle. And, and um, um, in life, you're either going to consider yourself or you're going to consider others. I'm going to say it again. In life, you're going you're gonna to consider yourself or you're going to consider others. And in the Merriam-Webster's Dictionary, I looked up the word consider. And um, it means to think about something that is important in understanding something or in making a decision or a judgment. So I'm going to say it like this. To consider is to judge yourself or judge others. To consider yourself or to consider others. Uh, in life, in our considering, in our decision making, we make decisions based on our thinking that is affected by our past. Right. So... Your perception of something is reality to you, but it may not be to the next person. That's why even in here tonight, whatever number of people are in here, one person can hear something a specific way because of the way that their hearing is affected by their life and their past and things that have come into them and, and, and influenced their thinking. And, and the person sitting right next to him can hear something totally different. And, and it's... And it's astonishing the way that is. Well, in marriage, it's a lot the same way. 
Your spouse can think one thing, and you can think something else. And if I've, if I've learned anything in 37 years, if I've learned anything, that is to temper and, n- number one, obey the word, but to temper my judgments where my wife is concerned. To learn to understand her from her perspective and ask myself questions about why I might be upset about something or not like something. And, and the question asking in marriage is the key to obeying the word. Because how many in here tonight can say that if you obey the word, you're a doer of the word, that you'll get results in your life if you're a doer, right? Well, a few of the scriptures that we're going to read tonight are really, really important that you understand it and that you practice it whether you're married or not. If you're married tonight, several of the things that I'm going to talk about that I've learned in 37 years, I believe will help you. You're not married, it doesn't matter, practice it on the people around you. And even if you are married, don't just practice it on your spouse. I mean, don't just be good to your spouse and act like the devil to everybody else. Right? So, this, this area of, of judgment is something that's, that's real key. I'm going to read a similar definition from the Merriam-Webster's of, of the word judgment. <clears throat> it's to form an opinion about something or someone after careful thought. To make an official decision about someone in yourself. An official decision. Having enough time to think about something or someone or what someone's done to you. And then making up your mind that your judgment against them is righteous. That it's a right thing. So we're just going to look at a couple of scriptures that have... A couple of examples in Scripture of people judging other people and blaming others in Scripture for things that didn't go right. Amen? Um, in, in, before we get to that example, in Romans 8 and verse 1, it says, For the law, I mean in verse 2 of Romans 8, For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. In Galatians, we just read about the spirit of Christ. The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made you and I free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God did by the sending of his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh on account of sin. He condemned sin in the flesh that the righteous requirement of the law of the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, might be fulfilled in us who don't walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. People that don't walk according to the flesh or their emotions or their judgments, people that are learning to consider their way and consider themselves instead of considering others. God created you and I. He sent us 
to destroy the law of the flesh through the law of the spirit of life that's in Christ. And, and, and what that law looks like is a man must get born again. A man must learn to hear the voice of God and the spirit of God and take what the spirit of God says and do that and destroy the works of the law. So Jesus destroyed the law, but now that implementation will only come when righteous people who are the righteousness of God in Christ realize it and then walk it out. Amen. And I'm telling you today, there is no greater place to walk that out than in a marriage relationship. I mean, there's a lot of other relationships that it's important, but if you're married or if you're not, you can learn from this in marriages today, or you can learn from what I'm going to say tonight about marriages to be. If you never learn to consider yourself, then you're going to walk in judgment, and when a person is judging others, they're not believing God. I'm going to say it again. When you walk in judgment of other people's lives, you're not believing God. And I'll prove it in a few verses here. So... Let's go to one passage that some of you might have figured that we were going to go to is in Genesis 3. <laughs> the first husband and wife. In Genesis 2.24 it says, Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall be one flesh. They were both naked, and the man and his wife were not ashamed. So in chapter 3, we get into, and I'm not going to read all the passages here, but we get into Adam and Eve in the garden. God had told them about, about the garden. Everything was theirs. Just don't mess with the tree in the middle. The tree out there and the fruit on that tree, don't eat it, you know, lest you die. So Satan comes along, the serpent comes along, and he deceives. Now, now the serpent... In, in Adam and Eve's eyes, weren't the serpent itself was not evil. God created the serpent. So the serpent wasn't evil. What controlled the serpent is what was evil. And so the serpent came and deceived them into thinking that God lied, that he didn't really tell them the truth. And so as, as we fast forward, let's just start with verse 9. Um... They had eaten the apple, and, uh, or they had eaten the fruit. It wasn't necessarily an apple, it was fruit. Verse 9, And the Lord God called to Adam, and he said to him, Where are you? So he said, I heard your voice in the garden, and I was afraid, and I was naked, and I hid myself. Now watch this. And he said, he, and, and he said, God said, to Adam, he's asking him a question. Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten fruit, eaten from the tree of which I commanded you that you should not eat? Those were two questions that he asked. Now notice his answer. He asked two questions. Who told you that you were naked? And did you eat the fruit? Okay, anybody just in relationship, especially marriage relationship, have you ever, your spouse ever ask you a question and you answer it in left field? 
I, I had a $10 bill on the counter. Do you know what happened to it? Well, the other day I needed to go and, you know, and, and, and some long, drawn-out story about where that $10 bill went. She just asked a question. There was a $10 bill. Where'd it go? So he asked those two questions, and here's the answer. Then the man said, the woman <laughs> whom you gave to be with me, she gave me of the tree, and I ate it. When you blame other people, when you blame your spouse, when, when you're blaming, you're putting the blame on others, you're not taking responsibility for yourself, but number one, you're not believing God. See, a person that's in fear of God is going to answer with some blame response. Always. It's always been that way, and it'll always be that way. Because, see, today, what I know is, in my marriage relationship, today, if blame comes out of my mouth, because of my relationship with God, there's instant conviction for blaming because I realize the consequences of blaming that I get out of faith I get into fear okay and when I'm out of faith and I'm in fear I get no results and if, you want, if you're believing God, I'm not just talking about if you're believing God, let's say for finances or whatever, even healing in your body, but you're believing for opportunities in your life to open up. The more you play the blame game and the more you shift the blame on other things and other people, the more it prolongs your destiny to open up to you. See, see everybody has a destiny but very few people know how to tap it. I'm telling you tonight, when you learn to consider yourself and you learn to judge your own heart, amazing things will happen. You know the Apostle Paul, he, he made an interesting statement in, in, in Corinthians. He said, he said, I consider it a very little thing that I'm judged by you. Why? Because he said, I'm judged by God. And he said, I don't even judge myself by myself. What was he saying? The self he was talking about was his soul, his unrenewed mind. He did not allow himself to give himself an easy way out of anything. Nothing. See, because I'm judged by God. See, God won't bring easy street across your path he'll bring mercy street he'll bring grace street he'll bring provision street he'll bring all the things that his word says are there but he will not bring easy street that the soul wants to give you paul said i don't judge myself by my soul and i consider it a very little thing if you don't like me either I considered a very little thing, not that he was wanting to be offensive, because then he said things like, I become all things to all people that I may win some. Right. You understand? But he, but he didn't let the judgment of man affect the judgment of God. 
See, when you judge yourself by yourself, you'll play the blame game and you'll continuously live a life where you're not believing God for the next thing. You know when you need to be really believing God for the next thing in your life? Tomorrow morning, the moment your eyes open. Tomorrow morning, the moment your eyes open, there is the mercy of God, the forgiveness of God, the voice of God. Everything is ready in the day. And the moment you wake up, if you're disturbed, if, if people are bothering you, if thoughts are bothering you and you're not doing anything by casting the, the care of those kind of things, they're robbing you of being able to live in, in, in the, the results of the mercy and the blessing of God. They're robbing you. They keep you in unbelief. A person that is judging all the time and that is critical and not considering self, but just considering everything and everybody and moved by everything and everybody is not believing God. I refuse, I, I just refuse to live life not believing God. There's no reason to. It, it, the, life can be so destructive. And listen, Life isn't as destructive in the natural and the things that happen to you out here as it is in the torment that you live in in your soul when you're not believing God. In my marriage relationship, what I learned along the way and what I'm talking to you about right here is it's very easy to judge your spouse and be critical of your spouse to where the criticalness and the judgment turns into strife and division. Strife and division is a killer in marriage. The reason that Becky and I are married 37 years later, and we've got, we've got lots and lots of friends that we, were, we, we had great times with early on. We used, to play, we used to play in basketball leagues and do all kinds of sports stuff, and all the families would come, and we were just starting to have kids. Everybody you know, popping one and two and three and four out, right? No. But um, we, we, were, we were having kids and just having a good time. And there was probably, I don't know, eight or ten couples, maybe 12 couples. And most of those couples today are divorced. Most of them. Christian couples, we're all in church together, and most of those couples are divorced, the majority of them. Eighty to 85% of those couples are all divorced. And the only difference in Becky and I and them is that we didn't quit. I mean, we had some tough times. We had times where there were issues and things. There were times when judgments of each other were harsh and hard and things that we were working through. But listen, that's part of life. You know, I, uh, a while back, I, I met somebody who, they were raised in a home. I met just, just in a conversation. I met him. I don't really know him. just met him in a conversation. They were talking about married life, and uh, they, th this person had been divorced, but their parents got divorced later in life, and when they were growing up, their parents, they never saw a fight, they never saw a disagreement, they never saw a harsh word, they never saw anything between their parents, ever. There was never a disagreement, and they grew up thinking that's what life was, that there was no disagreements. I mean, folks, listen, when, when a male marries a female, I mean, there's resistance, huh? I mean, there's stuff. It just, it's just there. I mean, the potential is there. 
And, 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 and I, I have to say, if you were to interview my children and you were to ask my children, especially when they were younger or whatever, what life was like, they wouldn't tell you that they never saw a fight. They, would never, they wouldn't tell you that they never saw a disagreeing word or disagreement. They, they wouldn't tell you that. But what they would tell you is that they knew that their parents loved each other and they knew they got through things. The difference in Becky and I is that we got through stuff where all of our friends didn't. And they stayed bitter. And you know what they did? They built judgments of each other on the inside that caused them to not be able to live and even stand each other. And yet, and yet, I can tell you today, because I, because I see some of those couples and I talk to some of those couples, there, there is a longing and an aching inside of them for, the, for that covenant relationship that they have with that spouse, but they didn't know how to work on it. They didn't have the revelation, and they didn't do the due diligence that has to be done to win it. I mean, if, you've been, if you're here today and you've been divorced or there's something in your life, God just takes us where we're at right now. You understand? Does it, it's no judgment. My parents were divorced. Becky and I had the potential to be divorced as anybody else did. We're not and we never will be because we learned the secret of not judging ourselves by ourselves. Right. See, now, as I learned to understand her and understand her from her perspective, that empowers me to make choices that God would make in a situation love choices that God would have me to do. There's times when God will say to me, you know what? I want you to take the brunt of this disagreement right here. Just take it. Just take it for me. I've had God say that to me. If, he's, if he said that to me once, I don't know how many times. I want you to take this for me. Maybe you are right, but I want you to take it for me. And you know what? When I've heard those kind of things, I thought, Oh, God wants me to take it for him. I'm not taking it for her. I'm taking it for him. No. <clears throat> you, you see, but what, what happened was, what God, what God uh, literally, I heard that. I heard that once, and I've heard that a number of different times. But you know what it helped me to do? What it helped me to do was to get past judging her based on my soul. And, and when I stopped judging her based on how I thought something was, I realized I was more in the wrong than I thought. Just the way it works. You know what? At the end of the day, at the end of the day, it really doesn't matter who's right. Huh? You know who's right? God. <laughs> God's right. At the end of the day, it really doesn't matter. So when I learn to consider myself then I'm not on this road of having to be right all the time. It's lonely when you have to be right. It is a lonely place to be when you have to be right all the time, when it's got to be your way or the highway. You know why? Because there's other roads that are pretty interesting. Your ugly highway can get really boring. Past the same stinking trees, all the stuff. I mean, it's all the same, you know. Every day, get up, do the same exact thing, and it's just you're aware of the highway. No? No, we've got to learn to be open, to understand each other from each other's perspectives, and be able to give into each other. And you know what? In, 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 in my relationship with Becky, it's not her demanding something out of me or me demanding something out of her. It's us connecting with God and being able to hear God about these areas of judgment that I'm talking about right here.
See, in, in, in this situation, in this question, these two questions that were asked, and the blame shift, then the guy blamed, and then what does she do? Well, it's that serpent. And then God comes to the serpent, and he goes, nobody else to blame. Right? Constant blame, constant blame. Now watch this verse. Or watch this little story right here. You might not see this. I saw this. You might, not, you might have not seen in this story what I see here, but, but I see this because it's kind of covered up and maybe in some false humility or whatever. But in John 11 is another story. <clears throat> and this story starts out with a man named Lazarus. And his two sisters, Mary and Martha, um, they're in their city and Lazarus is sick. Well, Jesus finds out about the fact that Lazarus was sick. And, and, and the Bible says Jesus loved Lazarus and Mary and Martha. He loved them. But he found, finds out that he's sick and, and, and is encouraged to come, you know, and help take care of the situation. And uh, you would think that Jesus would just get right on it. But two days later, he shows up, right? And what happened? Lazarus has died. And by the time he actually gets there, Lazarus has been dead for four days. Four days. And I'm just skipping down to the 20, uh, 21st verse. Um, Got to get the right chapter. Now it says, Now Martha said to Jesus, Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. She just told the living word that it was his fault that Lazarus died. Now you can get a whole lot of other things out of this story, but I want you to hear this one. She's blaming Jesus for the death. Now, it's covered up and, you know, well, you know, he said, you know, Jesus said, you know, he, he'll, he, he, he won't die. He, he'll be raised from the dead. Yeah, but that'll be in the resurrection and all these kind of things. This constant blame. Yeah, but she, she had to let him know it was his fault. How many times in marriage relationships have we had to let the other one know how we felt? Just had to let them know that it was their fault. So my question is, when we live our life considering ourselves, when you're considering yourself and judging your own heart, would God tell you to make another person aware of what they've done wrong? Not God. That wasn't a God thing. Martha had not gone to God and sought God and said, go, go put Jesus in a guilt trip. Make him feel bad for what he's done here. No, that's not what happened. No. When you live in the blame world, there's no faith. So there was no faith in Martha, 
And then her sister, then Martha goes to Mary and says, well, he wants to see you now. Literally, that's the way it says it. And then I think in the 32nd verse, it says that, that Mary said the exact thing to him. If you'd have just been here, if you'd have just been here, he wouldn't have died. So there's something going on in the whole family. Hmm? Could Lazarus' sickness and his death been a result of things in his life that he needed rid of? I mean, there's a lot of good things in everybody's life. They're good things and attributes and attitudes and personality traits in people's lives. But there's things that we need rid of. And I'm telling you, the lack of judging and considering your own heart is something that will bring literal death. It will, it will bring a shortened life when you live your life constantly judging other people. I'm not here to scare you with that. I'm here to encourage you. I'm here to tell you tonight that a life, a, a, a life of longevity doesn't just come from thinking in the natural that you're doing all the right things. A life of longevity comes from living a life considering your own heart and allowing judgment to be with God. Allowing God to judge our hearts and us not judging our heart based on our unrenewed soul and mind or not allowing the judgment of other people to control and rule our world. Yeah. Amen? Then we can walk in the love of God and then we can demonstrate this love and cause our, our lives to be what God wants them to be to the world. People will never see the greatness and the power of God in people in the church that act just like the world does. I'm telling you, I, I, I tell you, in, in some of the church, quote, people that I've known through the years, I, I've known people outside the church that even though some of them may not have been born again, in certain areas of their life had more credibility than people in the church. Yeah. I've seen it. And I'm not judging people in the church, you know. I, I, see, I don't have a right to judge people to you. I'm not, I'm not mentioning any names, even though, you know, I'm thinking about Fabian. But, um, <laughs> no, <clears throat> no, I'm, I'm just teasing. But I, I'm not thinking of any names. I wouldn't mention a name or anything like that. I'm just saying people that don't work on their hearts and they don't consider themselves, you live a life of judgment and you live in unbelief, not believing and trusting God, so you don't fulfill why you were put here. Right. And that's vital. My marriage would not be where it is today. The relationship that my wife and I have today, we would not have if we had not learned to do what I'm talking to you about yeah. tonight. Learning to consider ourselves. Now, just to end this tonight, I want to just look at these last two passages. Um, Matthew 7 and this is really powerful I, 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 I love what this passage says actually Matthew 7 I'm going to read these first six verses they actually say what Galatians 1 through 5 say what we just read in Galatians 1 through 5 this is what this says in just different wording this is Jesus. Actually, I'm going to read it in the Amplified. Do not judge and criticize and condemn others so that you may not be judged and criticized 
and condemn yourselves. For just as you judge and criticize and condemn others, you will be judged and criticized and condemned. In accordance with the measure you use to deal out to others, it will be dealt back to you again. See, so we have to understand these judgments that we make over people. If the Word of God is not cleansing your soul on a day-to-day basis, then you're going to keep past judgments and hurts and unforgiveness and bitterness and whatever else is in that whole package deal. You're going to keep those things, and then you're going to have judgments against people that are actually hindering the fulfillment of God's plan in your life. See, so, so how we judge or how we come up with this idea about how another person is is where we have to allow the judgment of God to rule in our thinking. Otherwise, we're going to judge people based on our perspective. Now, your perception of something is reality to you, but that doesn't mean that it's the absolute truth of the word. See, I need the truth of the word to renew my mind so that if my perception's off, I need it altered by the word so that when I view other people, I'm viewing it through the eyes of Jesus and not through my unrenewed mind. See, Paul said, I don't judge others. I don't, he said, I don't judge myself even by my soul. I don't judge myself by my own thinking. Why? Because I have a tendency to give myself attaboy, and I have a tendency to tell everybody else, you're a worthless piece of crap. That's just human nature. Right? That's human nature. We've got to be rid of that. Right? So he said in verse 3, I'm going to read it in the New King James here. And why do you look at the speck that's in your brother's eye, but do not consider the plank or the log, one translation says, that's in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me remove the speck from your eye and look at the plank that's in your own eye? And what does he call that? Being a hypocrite. One, one translation says, uh, uh, the dust particle in one eye, in your eye, or in, in, in your brother's eye, and you don't see the log that's in your eye. Right? So, so, we, so that we live in this, we live in this, this sand judgment world where we're judging the, the, the things that we're looking at. So we're looking at what someone else is doing, which may just be one thing, but we're not noticing the plethora of issues that are in our life. But the more that you look at yourself and judge yourself, the more mercy that you'll have for other people. Now, make sure you write this verse down that I'm going to give you right here. It's found in James chapter 2. And verse um, 13. Make sure you write this down and go look at it. I'm going to read it in the New King James and in the Amplified. For judgment is without mercy to the one who has shown no mercy. Thank God for the rest of this verse. But mercy triumphs over judgment. Someone shout amen to that. Listen to this in the Amplified. For to him who has shown no mercy, the judgment will be merciless. 
The judgment will. didn't say God will. It's the judgment that you're judging people with that you're not using the power of God to renew your mind with. Did you hear me? But mercy, full of glad confidence, exalts victoriously over judgment every single time. So where, where there's been judgment, there's no mercy. But mercy triumphs over judgment. Now listen to me, and don't, don't, don't forget this. i got one little passage that I'm going to finish with, but don't forget this. Judgment and, and having a, a judgmental attitude toward people is pride. Pride always creates destructiveness in our lives. God wants you free from destruction of any kind. He wants you advancing. He wants you elevated. He wants you moving forward. He wants you advancing. He wants you prospering. He wants you well in all those ways. But incorrect judgment of life and of people Incorrect judgment in marriage relationships will hinder the future of our lives and what God created us to do and to be. I'm so grateful today, after 37 years of marriage, I am so grateful that there's not anything, I can, I can say this not in pride, but in wholehearted, there's not anything that my wife can say to me there's not, I don't care what it is. She can be, she can say tonight, what'd you wear that stupid looking shirt for? You know? She wouldn't say that, I'm just saying. She could say something like that, and it's not going to bother me. Because I thought I looked pretty good in it. No, but, but, but you see what I'm saying? But I can hear what she's saying. And she, she might tell me something about the shirt or whatever, a pair of shoes or something. Or some, you didn't do something here. She, see, because we've developed relationship and we know each other, I know that she has my best interest. She's not just being critical of me, see, because we have relationship. And in the development of that relationship, I can receive anything so that I can grow. I can become better. But what it makes me better at is showing mercy. See, when I learn to judge myself, then I don't live constantly judgmental of everything that's not the way I think it should be. Well, people aren't going to do everything the way I think it should be, or you or anybody else, right? So when we learn to live in mercy and forgiveness and we learn to live, you know, tolerant of people's lives and the things around us, then we learn to grow and understand life from different perspectives, right? And you know what happens? Everybody sitting in here tonight was created in the image of God. My wife was created in the image of God. I was created in the image of God. There's things that I have that she needs and vice versa. And when we begin to realize that and not try to demand things from our perspective but learn to understand each other from each other's perspective, it changed our whole marriage. It's changed everything about it. And I just know this, that every time there's a difference, we have an opportunity to allow mercy to triumph. Every single time. I didn't say me. I said we. Everybody, everybody say we. 
Okay? See, and the we thing is not me helping her along with mercy or her helping me along with mercy. It's me doing mercy and her doing mercy. And the more we do mercy because we know it's the will of God, then, then we're, we're living from what? Bad situation to bad situation? No, we're living from triumph to triumph. Because mercy triumphs always over judgment. It liberates us. Amen. And it sets us free in our minds from all that stuff. Can you say amen? amen? God resists the proud, but he gives great grace to the humble. He resists the proud. So... When I stay judgmental, I stay in pride, I stay in an unbelieving attitude, then what happens is my life is resisted by God. It's resisted. I did it, not God. God set the resistance up, but I caused the resistance to happen because I stay judgmental, I stay in pride, instead of practicing the mercy of God, the forgiveness of God, and doing the things that God wants right. Amen? I just have to say... Tonight, in all my years of marriage and, and being married to this woman, that she has made me the person that I am. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm not just saying it. God, God created her to help me. The Holy Spirit's a helper, but the Bible also calls my wife my help. So when a man finds not a woman, but a wife, he finds a good thing. Amen? Amen? And I found a great thing in this woman. And I'm telling you, our, our, I, 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 swear, I, I swear, our life is just beginning. Yes. I mean, our best days are before us, you know? I mean, I, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I can ask others that are older than we are what it's like to live in, in years where you're, you're older in life, okay? But I just see the days ahead as the best days. So often people have a tendency to look back and, well, if I'd have done this and, you know, just wasted my youthfulness. And No, forget the youthfulness, okay? Forget the, what they called the youthfulness. The Bible says I can be youthful at 80. Yes. Caleb said I'm stronger at 85 than I was at 45. Mm -hmm. hmm? We want that attitude. I'm, 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 I'm talking about, I, don't forget the youthfulness of the youth now. I'm saying forget about back then. There's nothing I can do about back then. Right? I can encourage others that are there and, and, and encourage them to be all that they were created to be. But we've got, you, you know, if you're 20 today, one day you're going to be 60. And you need to be stronger at 60 than you were at 20. And, and okay, along the way, maybe we, there's been pitfalls or maybe you don't do something exactly right. But just get back up and do it even better. Get stronger every day. Mercy constantly triumphs over judgment. We stay connected to God. It's a win-win. You can't lose. It's impossible. No matter what happens, no matter what things look like, it's a win-win. Amen? So, I'm just encouraging you that the, the awesome married life of 37 years that I've experienced, you can have. And continue to have. If you're married, you can continue to develop mercy triumphs. Yeah, but you don't know my wife. No, but God does. Yeah, but you don't know my husband. Yeah, but God does. Yeah, but you don't know what the, some of the... Yeah, but God does. You don't know what we dealt with. But we're still standing 37 years later. 
and not only stand it, but stronger than we were when we were first married. I thank God for the early years and all those kind of things. That, that, that part was, it was great, but we're, we're living here now. You're living where you're at now. Let's make the best and the most of every day that we live. Can you say and shout amen, somebody? Amen. Father, tonight, I just thank you that the words you gave me to deliver the, 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 the two sentences about, about us um, considering ourselves, number one, and then examining our lives, number two, are so vitally important to live free from wrong judgment and have the ability and the power to live in the mercy that triumphs all the time. And I pray tonight that every person at the sound of my voice understands this message more and more day by day and understands that passage, that verse of Scripture, that mercy triumphs over judgment. I thank you for revelation coming to them from this day forward on what that means for them. And I give you all the praise and the glory. And everybody said amen. amen. Say this with me. I receive what James 2.13 said. You receive that tonight. Amen. You take it. And you receive it and allow revelation to come to you like you never had before. That mercy triumphs over judgment every single time.